0: And I do have to make a special announcement this morning. Uh, Tommy came to me when we first opened the building, and there was a bird flying around the sanctuary. And uh, so I called our crack maintenance team, and he didn't return my call. He was asleep. Okay. <laughs> Sleep at the wheel. So, where's Dora? Where'd she go? Oh, she's she must be getting another cup of coffee, and she's, she's coming. Exploring. in. Dora is exploring. She's exploring. Wave your hand, Dora. Wave your hand, Dora. There she is. And, uh, yeah, Dora's exploring. And so I walked in, and I saw Dora in the back, and she was clawing at the mini blinds. And I thought, what's she doing? She trapped the bird in the mini blind, put her hand behind it, grabbed it, and took it out. What do you think of that? Hurrah. Go, Dora. See, leave it to a Cherokee, right? <laughs> <Hurrah>. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're, we are going to believe, how about this for a transition, ready? We are going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to trap all of us, amen?
1: Please trap us. And hold Jesus. us
0: real tight, uh, and maybe squeeze us enough that we die and he gives us his life. How about that? That would be good, awesome. too. That's <laughs> But that's what we're going to pray and believe. So hallelujah. Let's stand together. We're going to actually start a new series this morning. We're going to jump into the book of Philippians. Uh, you should have an outline. If you don't, there are outlines in the back on the on the table. Uh, some of you in Sunday school usually uh, bypass the table probably. So, But uh, we'll be starting in that today and uh, going to have a good time there as well. So amen. Let's open our hearts. Father, we just thank you so much that we can be truly, not. we're not saying it as a joke, That we can be trapped by you. We're We're going to talk this morning about being your slaves. About being your servants. And we truly are trapped by your love. By your grace. It's your grace that leads to repentance. And we're so glad that we could be your children this morning. And be safe in you. Hidden in the hollow of your hand. We thank you, Father, for doing that with us this morning. We ask you to touch everyone this morning bless those that are sick, bless those that are struggling. We have a couple, a few in the hospital, one coming out, and we know that, Father, you're going to be the healer for all of us. We thank you and we praise you. We give this entire service to you in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you as you worship.
2: Higher than the mountains that I face, stronger than the power of the grave. Constant in the trial And the change This one thing Remains This one thing Remains It's your love Oh, your love Never fails It never gives up Never runs out on me Yeah, your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me yeah your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me it's your love and on and on and on and on and on and on it goes it my soul, and I never ever have to be afraid. Cause this one thing remains this one thing remains it's your love. Oh, your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out. Fails, it never gives up, and never runs out on me. Yeah, your love never fails, it never gives up, never runs out on me. It's your love in death and in life, and in death, in life. I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. that can separate my heart from your great love oh your love never fails it never gives up never runs out on me yeah your love never fails it never gives up never runs out on me yeah your love never fails it never gives up never runs out on me. Your love. Oh, and on and on it goes, and on and on and on and on it goes. Oh, it overwhelms and satisfies my soul, yes, it does. And I never ever have to be afraid, because this one thing. Your love, oh your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Yeah, your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Yeah, your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. It's your love, and it's your love. me yeah your love never fails it never gives up never runs out on me yeah your love never fails it never gives up never runs out on me it's yours to you, oh, nothing, can nothing compares to you, nothing can separate, nothing can separate us from your love, nothing can separate us from your love. Even if I ran away Your love never fails I know I still make mistakes But you have new mercies for me every day And your love never fails You stay the same You stay the same through the ages Your love never changes There may be pain in the night But joy comes in the morning And when the oceans rage I don't have to be afraid Cause I know that you love me Your love never fails Your love never fails The chasm was far too wide I never thought I'd reach the other side Your love never fails You stay the same You stay the same through the ages, your love never changes, there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. you do and you make all things work together for my good thank you Jesus that you make all things work together for my good we worship you Lord and you make all things work together for my Even things that don't seem to make sense to us You turn it around for good Even things that seem out of time to us You work for our good Even things that seem altogether wrong You work it for our good turn it around for our good. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good you to the prayer time if the leaders would come anyone that needs prayer for anything big or small he knows he knows what's on your heart even before you ask but when two or more come together in his name agreement with the Lord Jesus. It is done. It is done. But maybe you just want to come and just spend time with him, with some brothers and sisters to help you stand tall. You're Yo! the Father
0: a lot of things. One thing, the Father's arms are open to you right now. I don't care what you are. We're going to talk later in Philippians. Whether you're an overseer, whether you're a servant, whether you're a deacon, whether you're an elder, whatever you are, whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, how far you've wandered, how close you are, it doesn't matter. The Father's arms are open to you this morning. Hallelujah. Can we just just sing that one part one last time the father's arms just raise your hands and worship him embrace him this morning yes that's what we have with yes we have the
2: precious blood of jesus christ yes, it is. oh come to the altar the father
0: It in the Word, where it says that we have not come to a mountain of smoke and fire, but we've come to a holy mountain, Mount Zion. We've not come to a physical altar; we come to a spiritual altar in the heavenlies. Father, we just thank you this morning that we can come boldly before your throne of grace, that throne where your arms are still open wide. Jesus, your still your arms are still spread. Just like on the cross, you're still welcoming all of us. Sinner, saint, it doesn't matter. You're welcoming all of us to that throne of grace. So whatever we need this morning, we come with that with that grace in mind. That, Father, we, we might need forgiveness of sins this morning. We might need a cleansing of our hearts and spirits. We come to you, Father, to receive from you. We thank you for that. We want to lift up several that are still struggling. Remember Bev, overcoming, hallelujah. We remember uh, uh, last evening, um, Frank Moorhead had some irregular heartbeats, went to the doctor, went to the hospital, is, Lord willing, getting out this morning. We thank you, Father, for taking care of that heart right now. Already, he said, the hearts come back into rhythm by Saturday evening. They just want to watch. So we thank you for healing right now in his body. We thank you for that touch in whatever the need might be this morning, financially, spiritually, physically, emotionally want to keep remembering uh, Ryan as well. Continue to touch his body. We thank you that you're the God that heals, the God that delivers, and the God that still has open arms. Open arms, open heart, the Father's love. We thank you for that this morning. We're going to praise you as we stand at your altar. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Everybody give him one last praise. Could you do that? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. How many are glad that tomorrow morning you could be at the altar again, right? Tonight you could be there, tomorrow morning you could be there, all week long you can be at the altar. Praise his name, praise his name. Thank you. You may be seated in his presence. Hallelujah, hallelujah. What a wonderful, wonderful God we serve. I mean, just think about that fact. Uh, Every Muslim will tell you uh, that Allah is a God of love but they do not know they do not know if they're going to be accepted by him until they get there is that the most depressing thing you've ever heard that you could work all your life spiritually do everything you think you can do and you still don't know until you step into his presence how many know that that's a forever settled fact for us we know we're already accepted in the beloved hallelujah hallelujah And we can go to him. Praise his name. That's such wonderful news that it makes us want to take an offering. Amen? (laughs) Ushers, if you'll come. (laughs) Praise his name. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you that we can continue to worship you through the giving of tithes and offerings. It's a small thing that we do. It's not a big thing. You've given us everything we have. You asked just for a small portion back. So we do it willingly, lovingly, joyfully. Uh, we give back to you. And we know you're going to take this offering, bless it, multiply it, use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. And we're going to praise you because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you as you give. And after that, kids, you may be dismissed to your time. And everybody else, open your Bibles to Philippians. Pastor Steve says that almost sounds like punishment. Young people, kids, you may be dismissed. The rest of you open your Bibles. <laughs> Hallelujah. Philippians, Philippians. Um, hopefully you grabbed an outline from the table out back. And for those of you uh, who don't know what we're doing, we went through Ephesians, and now we're going to go through Philippians Um we will probably, uh, someone said, uh, so is this the outline for today? <laughs> and I laughed and said, you don't know us very well. Uh, we will be just touching on the first couple of verses. That's the master outline for the entire book. And we all know having an outline for scripture is very scriptural because the word very clearly says in the book of Proverbs, he that findeth an outline findeth a good thing. It might say wife there, I don't know, but, you know. <laughs> but this just helps us fix our thoughts. We'll, we'll stick as close to that as we can, and uh, it'll take us, I'm sure, several months to get through this wonderful book. I, I was thinking of doing something a bit different, but um, I was actually thinking about the book of James as well. But you know what? Uh, the The book of Philippians is called the book of joy. And I don't know, I think we need some joy right now, right? We need, we need a joyful summer, so we're going to talk about joy, and I will be showing a video just in a moment uh, because we do need to talk about, whenever we start a book like this, we did it for Ephesians and we'll do it for Philippians and whatever else, we always want to talk about some of the preliminaries very quickly, the history, uh, introduction to the book and things like that. One of the greatest misunderstandings that we have when approaching scripture is understanding context. It's one of the greatest difficulties we have. Many believers believe that every book in the Bible was written only for them in their lifetime. So, you know, Malachi was written for 2022, or Jeremiah was written for David Verzilli in 1980. And and that's unfortunately not true. I hate to burst your bubble, but God did not write the Bible about you. He wrote the Bible for you. And so we need to understand context. That's why you cannot interpret Isaiah the same way you would interpret Philippians. You can't interpret Genesis the same way you would interpret Jude. It's it's different. We have to understand context. Uh, we understand from 1 Corinthians 10th chapter, Paul said, now all these things happened to them, that is Bible characters, as examples, as they were written for our admonition upon whom is coming the end of the age. So Uh, They're written for us, and that's why I've always said, How many are glad you're not a Bible character? I just, I did, I would not want to be David and have all my dirty laundry uh, exposed to the world for 3,000 years. Uh, So uh, thank the Lord we have them as examples. Uh, So we're going to take just a few minutes, and we're going to look at the background of Philippi the place to whom this letter was written and the people, know a bit more about the people, the reason, the church. And much like Ephesians, when you understand, if you remember when we did Ephesians, you understand that we suddenly discovered, as we looked at the history, there was a thing called the Temple Diana. And there were all sorts of things like prostitution and things going on in that temple and it was coming into the church. Uh, Remember, they had open-air brothels that were right next to the Walmart. So when you'd go shopping with the kids, you'd have to walk by the prostitutes plying their trade. Or when you got to the entrance of the Walmart, uh, there was a big uh, bowl there with incense burning in it. And if you wanted to shop at Giant Eagle or Walmart, you had to pay homage and worship the Caesar by putting money into that. So you you didn't pay the tax, you didn't eat. Sort of sounds a lot like other things we read in scripture, antichrists and things like that. So uh, nothing new. The devil has nothing new. So that sort of colors the entire thing. So uh, we have a a quick three-minute video here, I believe it is. Uh, I apologize. I believe the guy that's doing it is maybe Australian or British, so you're going to have to listen very closely, and you could sort of watch his diagrams and listen closely. We'll get a good understanding of what's happening in Philippians. So go ahead, guys, and, and share that video.
3: Hey, finally, we have come to the letter to the Philippians. I'm really excited about it. Seeing as it was written by Paul, we'd assume there is a doctrinal part first and then the practical part, right? But no. With Philippians, it's a bit different. It had a different reason for being written than the other letters. Basically, it's a thank you letter for a donation Paul had received from the Philippians. We could say, well, that's just administrative stuff. But no way, the Apostle uses this donation to address two essential topics that will be very important to you as well. Okay, so Philippians is a really relaxed letter if you compare it with 1 Corinthians, for example, where the Apostle had to confront moral evil. In other words, there were sexual problems, etc. Or compared to Colossians, where it was about intellectual evil, philosophy, etc. Or, even more blatantly, the Epistle to the Galatians, where the Apostle had to put his foot down because there were false doctrines circulating. But with the Philippians, everything was actually in order. Well, almost everything. But well, first a historical recap. Acts 16. On a second mission trip, Paul and his brother in faith, Silas, were urged by the Holy Spirit to go to Philippi, an important Roman colony. Paul had preached and some people had been converted, but Paul and Silas had also been thrown into prison. And then there was an earthquake, etc. If you don't know the story yet, just read it through. Anyhow, the prison guard had come to faith and so a congregation rose there that had experienced something special with the apostle and that's why they had a particularly good relationship with him. They had also been the ones who had financially supported the apostles right at the beginning when the others were still skeptical. But why is this story so important? Why did the apostle Paul use a letter about a donation to discuss something with the Philippians? Because the apostle sees two small dangers: lack of unity and heavenly citizenship. lack of unity because two sisters were at each other's throats a bit, and the issue of heavenly citizenship had been simmering under the surface because there were Jewish teaching in circulation that told Christians, "You can't have your heads in the sky. you must think about the earth as well." In both of these discussions, money is the linchpin. first, because the financial support of a fellow Christian makes heavenly unity visible here on earth. And secondly, because every Christian who invests in the Kingdom of God shows that his heart beats, first of all, for heaven and not for the earth. Okay, so this is the historical background. Now let's have a brief look at the Biblical overview, that is how the letter to the Philippians stands in relation to the other New Testament letters. If we apply Philippians to the desert journey of the people of Israel, it does not represent deliverance from the world or fellowship with God or problems on the way, nor does it describe the separation from evil after the Jordan or the blessings in Canaan like Ephesians does. The letter to the Philippians rather shows the normal Christian life of a heavenly citizen who is not yet at his destination. The Apostle Paul shows that he is on the brink of death and can already see the destination spiritually. A little like Moses on the mountain when God showed him the land. But he was just not there yet. So the Christian is still in the desert shortly before the land. But not with the problems like 1 Corinthians. Sin does not even appear in the letter to the Philippians. It's all good, but not yet at the destination.
0: So there are a couple of good points in that. Uh, number one, it's the normal Christian walk as we move toward heaven. How many are normal? Go ahead. You can put your hand up because you are. We're all normal. So it's good to know that this is just a normal, he's talking to us normal Christians. He's not talking to Billy Graham or anything like that. He's talking to us normal everyday Christians that go to work tomorrow and go through everything we go through. So that's the first thing. The second thing that's really of importance is that um, there was no Jewish, large Jewish community in Philippi. If you remember the story of Lydia, the seller of purple. Hi, Vi. Good to see you. Uh, if you don't know Vi, meet her after church. Uh, up from F- Florida, still right now, or oh, okay. But um, uh, the uh, now you interrupted me. What was I saying? <laughs> the Jewish people. Uh, if you remember the story of Lydia, the seller of purple, Paul went there. There was no synagogue because there were not enough Jews. You had to have a certain number of men to form a synagogue in those days. So there was no Jewish synagogue. So when Lydia got saved down by the river where Paul was teaching, he went to her home and stayed with her and had a house church there as well. So what was happening was there was no Jewish population. So the legalizers, the Jewish legalizers that were going around telling everybody that you had to be circumcised in order to be a Christian, you had to follow the Old Testament law they descended on Philippi because they said, hey, wait a minute, all these Greeks and Romans are getting saved. We can't have them get saved without being a Jew first. And so Paul had to write about that. So very interesting background to this wonderful book. But the bottom line is it's all about all about joy. And one final point to remember, this is part of what are called the prison epistles. So the Apostle Paul was writing these epistles from Uh, His house arrest in Rome, so he was under arrest, and he was writing this to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, uh, and Colossians. And the theme of this book, as i would mentioned, is joy and thanksgiving. So that just says something to me uh, about our brother Paul and all those that I know are in persecution right now. Under house arrest, but yet filled with joy. Isn't that something? Awaiting your trial, but yet filled with happiness. Isn't that wonderful? Waiting to be killed by Rome, yet still filled with thanksgiving and joy. That's that's probably a sermon for all of us right there, right? That's, that's an amazing thing from our, our beloved brother. So let's just read the first few verses, a couple of verses, and that's really all we're going to talk about. We're actually going to just talk about the first verse today and probably jump into the second verse uh, and further uh, next week. So we f- want to first talk about Paul's report. That is the report that he gives us of what is happening in his life through this whole first chapter. And he begins by saying, Paul and Timothy bond servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look, first of all, just a couple of quick points. Let's look, first of all, to whom is Paul writing? And I'm going to include in this list, I'm going to include Paul and Timothy as well, because they give their own designation. And there are actually four designations. He says there are bondservants, saints, overseers, and deacons, or bishops and deacons. And I want to change those without getting into a big discussion of, of the greek i want to just change those cuz those are sort of like bible words bishops and deacons and things i'd like to change those to the actual greek meaning of each word and that is four categories number 1 slaves paul and timothy called themselves slaves that's basically what what bond servant means it's a willing slave so slaves saints are really separate people separate people. So slaves, separate people, overseers, that's what a bishop is, an overseer, and finally servants, because that's what deacons are, servants. So we have four categories of people, slaves, separate people, overseers, and servants. The main point of what I want to get across to you today as we discuss these categories is we are all one. There are not two bodies, there are not four bodies, there are not we are all one in Jesus. And Paul is saying here, Paul and Timothy, the ones that are the big shots, quote-unquote, to all those saints, to all the bishops, to all the deacons, grace to everybody, peace to everybody, we're all together, we're all in this battle together, and that's a wonderful thing to know. And the, the reason that I say that we are all in one is really because we all share these same designations. If you're a bishop, you're still a slave, Right? If you're a deacon, you're still a servant. If you're a servant, you can be an overseer. It doesn't matter. We're we're all, and all of us are separate from the world. We have been separated to his to his work. So we all know that. Uh, let's start first with with uh, servants. First of all, we are bond servants or slaves to Jesus. We have willingly. Chosen to submit ourselves to His lordship. That means we are slaves to Him. We all know that you're going to be uh, either a slave to the world or you're going to be a slave to Christ. There's only two choices. There's nothing in between. Uh, we, we've known that for a long time. Uh, remember Paul in Romans. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Romans, the seventh chapter. Uh, he, uh, in the entire book of Romans, he uses the word flesh. 21 times, the most amount of times that he uses the word flesh. We talked about Romans 7 and 8 last uh, a couple weeks ago. And Paul said in Romans 7, he said three things. We were in the flesh, we no longer serve the flesh, that is, we're not slaves to it, and we do not walk according to the flesh. That sounds good. I like that. We were in the flesh, but we no longer serve the flesh, and we do not walk according to the flesh. Then as we said a couple weeks ago, he turns right around and he says, but at the same time, I'm carnal and I'm sold under sin. And the evil that I do, verse 20 of the seventh chapter, the evil that I do is because of the sin that dwells in me. Okay, now wait a minute. That's, as we said, that's confusing. Then he finishes it by saying, so then with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. Wow, that's confusing. That's confusing. So you say, well, what is he saying? And this is what we said back then. The confusion can be summed up in a simple phrase. I used to be a slave to sin and had no choice. But now because of Christ, I am a slave to him and I do have a choice. I know that that nature is still in me, but I do have a choice. As as a matter of fact, Paul says in Romans, the seventh chapter, I was sold in sin sold into it by nature of Adam's sin. So yes, in my flesh, that sold nature is still there in my flesh. But, oh, thank God for 1 Corinthians sixth chapter, we have been bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which now belong to God, Paul says. Yes, I was born into sin, but I've been bought into Jesus. Hallelujah. First Corinthians seventh chapter, you were bought at a price. So do not become slaves to men, Paul says. say, what's that mean? You see it? You see what's happening? I have a new owner today, (laughs) I have a new master, I have a new job description, I have a new dwelling place, I have a new kingdom, I have a new authority in my life. My former owner used to steal from me, my current owner gives me blessings pressed down, shaken together, and running over. My former owner used to try to kill me all the time, but now my owner now has life in him, and he gives that life to me more abundant and more free than ever. My former owner used to destroy all... I had he came but to steal kill and destroy in my life but this owner that I have now restores what the canker worm has eaten he restores what the swarming locust has taken he restores what's been lost and brings it back 30, 60, and a hundred fold in my life my former owner used to drag me down to death but my current owner raises me from the dead crowns me with life seats me on the throne with him puts all principality and power underneath my feet all oh, I'm glad I'm a slave to Jesus. <clears throat> I'd much rather be a slave to him. Slave to death or slave to life. But all of us are slaves. Every one of us. Uh, we we were just contacted this past week. I'm going to be meeting with the, you'll see it coming up. Some of you may even know it. Uh, Franklin Graham is coming to Youngstown, uh, which is nice. And, um, so they're contacting all the pastors in the community. They're going to start the whole crusade kind of thing. I believe it's called uh, Lisa God's Sorry, <laughs> God's Love, something, something about love. It's nice, and uh, that's it, wonderful. Guess what? Franklin Graham is still a slave, just like you and me. His father was just a slave, like you and uh, you and I. We're all slaves. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So we're all slaves. So. Uh, All of us in this room are slaved. We are no longer forced to do evil. Now we're striving to do good. And that opens the door to the second second name that Paul gives us, and that is saints. He says, we are all saints or holy people. And uh, you have been sold into Christ, so you are now separated. As you were on that auction block as a slave, Jesus came and bought you, took you off the auction block, brought you to his home, separated you out. So that means we are separated from the world. We are separated from the world. We may look like we're still in the world. We may dress like we're in the world. We may eat at the same restaurants. We may drive the same cars. <clears throat> Everything is, could be all the same. But we are separate from them. That's what it means to be holy. You have willingly separated yourself to be part of a new kingdom. You have willingly separated yourself to be a fellowship of believers. And you might not even like each other. Oh, I thought there'd be a big amen on that one, but no, it's true. I mean, we've said that before. We're not called to like each other; we're called to love each other, right? And uh, <clears throat> that person at work that you don't like tomorrow, you you can just leave that person, but not in the body. We work together. We love one another. So we're willingly coming together as slaves. You have willingly separated yourself to follow him. You've willingly separated yourself to read the word, to to spend time in prayer, to follow his precepts, to listen to the concepts of Jesus and follow him. There was a time in your life you would never think about turning the other cheek. Right? What's that old story about the guy that... uh, Was somewhere and he was a Christian and somebody was making fun of him, and got into a a little altercation and the guy slapped the Christian, and so the Christian just the Christian guy just stood there and he waited. The guy slapped him again on the other side. He says, "Because your Bible says turn the other cheek." And He says, "Yes, it does." So he slapped him on the other side, and right after that the Christian guy punched him and decked him, and he said, "Bible doesn't say where the third one's coming from." (laughs) <laughs> but in, in, in the world you, you would never think of now as a believer hopefully the thought at least crosses your mind when someone abuses you at least you go okay wait a minute I'm gonna try to do it the bible way uh, in the world you never thought about praying for someone who hated you Never even crossed your mind. You never thought about giving uh, giving water or support to your enemy. You never, ever thought about blessing somebody that cursed you. Never thought about that. You were a slave to the world. You were in that. But now we are slaves to Christ and we have separated ourselves to him. We've separated from our flesh, from our desires, from our ideas, from our own concepts. We used to be in the way of the world, now we're separated to the way of the cross. And we readily submit ourselves one to another. We readily submit ourselves to the body. We readily submit ourselves to other brothers and sisters. And and that was one of the reasons when we get to the fourth chapter, the girls he were ta- that he was talking about, Euodia and Syntyche, and, and that's the reason that he had to address them, because in essence, girls stop acting like the world. They they fuss and, and fight each other in the world. Not here. There's, there's no reason for that. There's no reason for that. Now, are we successful every time? Of course not. Of course not. Our flesh <laughs> grates at us every day. But our goal is to be slaves and to be separate. And And I have a long time ago, changed my definition of holiness, because, you know, I, I was raised, <clears throat> no no offense to my mother, but you know what old holiness people were like. <laughs> there were some very good things about that, and we do need to bring some of that back. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, wow, it's really quiet in here all of a sudden. I <clears throat> <laughs> But if you adhere to a Deep holiness like that, sometimes it can become a fake holiness. I hate to say that. It can just become deeds and actions. It happened to the Pharisees, it can happen to us. Now I'm not saying that we should just let everything go. No, no, no. But I'm saying we need to be very careful. And what has helped me in understanding what holiness is in my own life is, am, it's the simple question that you ask every day. Lord, am I staying separate from the world? Am I staying separate from the world? Can I, let me, let me tattle on someone. And I didn't even ask her if I could do it, Lisa. (laughs) She's a big girl, so I can tattle on her. She was talking to Pastor Ron and myself. uh, And she was saying, she loves pinball machines, right? Loves pinball machines. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, good. <laughs> and she said there was a convention, a pinball convention. There were two thousand pinballs, there, pinball machines there. And she said I wanted to go so bad, but they were serving booze, wine, and craft beers. And she says I just didn't want to go there because of that. Now that could be a matter of conscience, and I'm not. I'm not saying anything is that's her conscience. But go. <laughs> You don't have to drink, just go, you know? So we can still be, am I making you mad, Lisa? No, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Wait till she's back in the office. No, we can still be separate, but yet be in it, right? We, we can still be I can still maintain my separation as a believer, In the thing, but not partake of the thing. So if you like pinball machines, next time it comes around, go see the pinball machines. (laughs) I can still go. Oh, no, I can't because Frank Walker said no. Still go to Sturgis for the the motorcycles. (laughs) Some people can. Frank says, no, I'm not going to. (laughs) We can still be in this world, but not of this world. We can be in this world and be separate from this world. And, to be honest, when it comes to holiness, then that's the kicker. What I can separate myself from, you might not be able to. And what you can separate yourself from, I might go, whoa. What you could be into, I might say, oh, I don't think I could do that as a Christian. But I can't see it in Scripture that it says, no, but I don't know if I... So all of us need to separate ourselves, however the Holy Spirit... Because remember. You're a slave, you're a slave, I'm a slave. So every morning, this slave needs to get up and say, how do you want me to live separately today, Father? And, and I'll do it the way you tell me to do it. And, and next, next, uh, next couple ones, and we'll, we'll just close with these very quickly. Next one, our, our, we are uh, overseers overseers. Now, of course, he's speaking here to to bishops, to pastors, to leaders, but it's interesting, (coughs) a couple of things about this, that he does not use the word poemos in the Greek, which is shepherd. He uses the word overseer. I I really, I, I submit to you that yes, there are overseers that he's addressing, but also I submit to you that in some way or another, every one of us is, was, or will be an overseer of some sort. We will be. He's speaking to leaders, but at some point in our lives, don't we all oversee something? Sure, we oversee something spiritual in our lives. We, we, we do. Uh, you, you need to be prepared in our, in our lives all the time to oversee something. If you're helping out with a small group, some of the small groups we're doing here, uh, if you're helping out, you're overseeing. If, if you help out in the nursery or, or the kids program, you're overseeing children. And you need to act like a slave, Right? Uh, if, you're, if you're helping out setting things up in the church for an event, you're overseeing. Joanne has been doing a, an incredibly wonderful job uh, at creating the luncheons and things like that. What, what if she acted like a slave driver instead of a slave? It wouldn't go over too well, would it? So remember, we're all slaves, but we're all overseeing. If you take a new believer under your wing and begin to coach them and minister to them, you're now an overseer. You're raising a baby, right? You're going to get calls at all hours of the day. What's the Bible mean about this? What's that mean? Why do they do that in church? Why does the pastor look like that? (laughs) You may become a deacon. You're overseeing. What, what What if our next deacon's meeting, which is sometime at the end of this month, what if our next deacon's meeting was filled with arrogant, snotty people? It wouldn't work. Instead, we have loving, slave-minded servants. Sounds weird, but that's what we need. All of us need to be loving, slave-minded, where we're in obedience to Jesus. Actually, when you go get to that fourth chapter, Paul mentions these two women, as I said, Euodia and Syntyche, but nowhere does it say in Scripture necessarily that they were deaconesses, they were not elders, uh, in any way, but evidently they were important enough in the life of the body. There was enough influence in the life of the body. You may not think you, have, you th- have influence in the body. You may just think you show up on a Sunday morning. You may just think that you wander in here and there, but you probably have more influence than you think that he had to tell them work together because you're not acting like servants. You're not acting like slaves. So learn to work together. So we are we are overseers, we are slaves, we are separate from the world altogether. And finally, he mentions deacons, that last one. And that word there is servant or minister. If you compare the easiest way to understand is if you compare the body of Christ to a modern organization, to a government office, to a Business, something like that. When humans create something, we always create it in a hierarchy, don't we? We create it in a power structure. We got the president and the vice president, we got this group, we got that, and we've got this committee overseeing that, and we always create this thing, and the CEO does this to the COO and the CFO and all the other O's, and we create this structure as human beings and we adhere to it. That's not the way it is here, folks. Not the way it is. We have one head, and his name is. Jesus, he's the head of the church, the Bible says, and the body fit together underneath him functions however he wants us to function. At any moment, anyone can say anything to me and I could say it to them. I've always said it before, even in a big organization like Southern Baptist Convention or the Assemblies of God or whatever, the general overseer has one vote just like everybody else. One vote nothing special. The leader in the world is certainly not somebody who girds himself with a loincloth and washes the feet of the servants. Doesn't do that. But we are here to serve Jesus and then to serve each other. And then he wraps this whole thing up and we'll we'll get into this more next week. He wraps the whole thing up in verse two by saying grace and peace. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? You may be the hottest thing since sliced bread in the church. You may be the thing that everybody's looking at. Oh, there's that leader. There's Bethel. There's Hillsong. There's this. There's uh, David Jeremiah. There's John Hagee. Or there's all these people. You may be all those things. But you know what? You need just as much grace and peace as the guy that just got saved. As a matter of fact, you might need more grace and peace because I'm telling you right now, you're probably doing things you shouldn't do that you know you shouldn't do, but you're doing them anyway, and you need more grace for forgiveness. I saved the preaching for the end. I I need grace right now. I need the peace of the Holy Spirit in my life right now. All of us do the slave, the servant, the separated one, the bishop, the overseer, the deacon. We need peace. And isn't it wonderful that God says, grace to you, plural, all of you, not just to the overseers and the rest of you have to suffer. No, 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 no. Grace to all of you and peace. And he does two designations there from God the Father and Jesus Christ, which he's now declaring that Jesus is God. God is Jesus. And he's saying, our heavenly father and your elder brother are giving you two things that you need to get through every battle, and that is grace and peace, grace and peace. When you fall down as a slave, get up because you've got grace. When you fall down as an overseer, a bishop, when you fall down, get up because you've got the same grace. When you fall down as a, as a, when you lack the separating yourself the way you should, and you dabble too much, and you're at the pinball convention, and you grab a beer, wait a minute, no, there's grace. Hallelujah. No matter where you're at, there's grace and there is peace every moment of the day. I'm glad that's the God I serve. He's a God of grace, a God of peace, a God of mercy, a God of love. And he says, all of you, when you, when you sign on to this document, when you sign on to this contract with me, understand It is a one-sided contract. It is my contract with you. Because I know, the Lord says, the 42 seconds after you sign this contract of salvation, you're going to blow it. Maybe even... Some of you are really spiritual. You might make it to a minute. But you're going to blow it. But how many are glad that God never blows it? Never makes a mistake. And his grace and his peace... Is there every moment of the day, from the time we first sign that contract till the time that they close the casket lid, or He takes us to be with Himself? And I don't know about you, but I need a God of grace and a God of peace this morning. Whatever level you're at, however deep your walk or ever shallow your walk, you've got grace. You've got peace in Him. Let's bow our heads, Father. I just thank you so much just the opening of this wonderful book, this book of joy, because that, that gives me joy this morning to know that I have unlimited favor with you. I have unlimited grace and mercy with you, that I try my best to live a separated life. But because of this law of sin inside me, as Paul said, I do fail. But when I fail, when I mess up, I fess up. And you're right there again with the same grace and the same mercy. You're there with the same instruction, you're the same loving father that will, that will chasten us, that will love us, but you're there with the grace and mercy. And when I'm older, when I'm younger, it doesn't matter, your grace is there. A person that just accepts you as savior, same grace, same peace, same mercy, same love. That's the kind of master that I want. I wanna be a slave, a bond slave, To that master. I want to willingly sign that document to say, Yes, I belong to you because that's the kind of God I want. That's the kind of loving Father I want in my life. So we thank you for that. Bless us as we continue to study further and bless us as we walk out of this place as your slaves and servants submitted to you, ambassadors in a world that is going to pot, literally. And they need to see this ambassadorship of this wonderful kingdom that we're in, a kingdom of grace and peace. We thank you for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Stand together. It's good to see all you wonderful slaves, and I'm glad you're all going to go out into the world and tell the entire world what it means to be a free slave. That's what we are. We are a free slave in Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the name. Turn around. Bless somebody. You're dismissed. Go praising him in Jesus' name.